This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. What it do, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you to let you know that it is officially division preview season at Hardwood Knox. We're going to be kicking things off with our Atlantic division preview. Just a fair warning, these are two-part podcasts. Part one for us is going to focus on the Knicks and Nets. You will be able to find the Sixers, Raptors, and Celtics tomorrow in part two. I brought in senior NBA writer for the New York Daily News, Christian Winfield, to talk about this lovely division. He will be on both parts. Follow him on Twitter if you're not already, at Flash. That's at K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Follow Andy on Twitter, at Andrew D. Bailey. Follow the show at Hardwood Knox. I would also like to continue reminding and imploring and begging and pleading with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We love seeing the ratings numbers go up. If you haven't subscribed to us already, please do that. We're really trying to ramp up our audience. We appreciate every single listener that we have. And definitely leave a review. We've appreciated the ones we've got so far, all the feedback we're taking into consideration. Keep them coming. We really do read them and appreciate every single response that we get. Finally, you can follow Blue Wire on Twitter and should follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire. Pods. You can check out some other podcasts that we have at Blue Wire, in addition to seeing the fire tweets that I'm putting out on a daily basis. With all that out of the way, we get to part one of our Atlantic Division preview with the New York Daily News' Christian Winfield. Hey, hi, hello, what it do, Hardwood Knox listeners. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you without my co-host, Andrew D. Bailey, this time. We are, however, entering Division preview season at Hardwood Knox, so I'm super excited to be joined by Christian Winfield, a senior NBA writer now for the New York Daily News. We're going to be talking about all five Atlantic Division teams today, really get you primed for the regular season, which is now fast approaching after a long lull in the NBA, at least longer than normal compared to the past few years. Before we get started, though, Christian, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, You know, aside from that random day, I think it was yesterday when you woke up and you went outside and it felt like it was 48 degrees outside. in the middle of September is pretty annoying. 
But uh, other than that, it's, I'm doing pretty good. Weather's good outside today. Uh, we're going to have some some actual really good basketball in New York this year, hopefully on both teams. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> on the weather front, New York, we're both based out of New York, I believe. And uh, fall is just wildly inconsistent now the past few years. Yeah, yeah. The only thing consistent about fall is the leaves on the ground, the acorns that hit your car or your head when you're walking <laughs> up the block. You know, uh, I'm hoping that we have a consistent maybe 65 60 degree fall but i doubt it's going to be like that i think they're gonna they're gonna take us for a twist and turns every day for the atlantic division i'll have us go in uh reverse alphabetical order this is uh one of the more exciting divisions in the league even though divisions really don't matter great way to break up conversation but other than that uh, not a huge right. uh just a lot of changes though so this is just one of the more uh interesting divisions in the league We'll be beginning with the New York Knicks, 17 and and 65 last year. They went through a lot of changes over the summer. I'll start by asking you, uh, what were your general impressions of their offseason? Or more to the point, what was the most underrated offseason move or or addition that that they made? Um, I I think once you calm down and you judge the Knicks offseason for what it actually is, and what it isn't is swinging and missing on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And it's easy to point at that and laugh and say, ha-ha, the Knicks weren't able to, to, to sign superstars. But once you calm down and you get off that ledge and you get to view what they did from from a, from an unbiased, real, you know, like just a, a, a steady prism and just look at it like, hey, well, look at these guys they brought in. They, they bring in guys who are tough, right? They bring in guys who are going to mm-hmm. compete on both ends of the floor. Um, I, I won't say it was the most underrated. And not maybe it is the most underrated sign up for the group. I really like Marcus Morris. Uh, I think that bringing him in uh, on a on a one year deal, I think he got fifteen million or something like that. Um, you know, he's a guy who who's going to go out there and compete. He's a guy who a you can give him the ball in an isolation situation, you, and he's going to get you a bucket. Um, there was a time when when him and, and Carmelo were going going at it one on one, not to say one on one, but they would have each other in ISOs and they were giving each other buckets and. And that's not to say Carmelo's the best defender. Obviously, he's not. But Marcus Morris is a guy he can get a bucket over anybody. Um, and on the other end of the floor, he's he's not a scrub. He's a guy who's he's either going to give you a hard foul. He can guard a couple different positions. He can guard both forward spots. He can guard a, check a couple twos. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really a really important piece because he's going to be a guy that's probably going to come off the bench. He's going to be a guy that's going to be expected to be a vocal leader out there on the floor on both ends of the court. And you know, when you look at this Knicks this Knicks team. There's no one on the roster that really spells, hey, get me a bucket, except for Alonzo Trier. And Alonzo Trier still has some growing to do. Um, when you throw Marcus Morris out there on the floor, he's a guy who, who might, you know, if he hits two, three, four shots, the, the defense might have to send some help. You know, and uh, I, I think that that's a signing that I, I really think is going to go is going to go under the radar. And that's one that probably closer to, to the middle of the year. People are going to be like, oh, you know, the Knicks are pretty smart for that one. But if you look at their entire, the, everybody that they brought in, you bring in Julius Randle, you bring in Bobby Portis, uh, Todd Gibson's good signing. Uh, how how effective he's going to be on the offensive end of the floor, I don't know. But, um, you know, there's, there's everybody, I, I was, I'm, I'm a big fan of what they did this season, this offseason. You know, I think they, they made smart decisions on the roster um they didn't bury themselves in 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 salary cap for years you know they got two-year contracts with, with player options for the most part on the second year except for julius Randle, who got a three-year deal with the, with the uh team well not not player options. they all got team options on everybody's deals you know i'm i'm really interested I'm, I'm really intrigued by that and i think the alfred payton signing as well is another one because you know obviously dennis Smith jr is the guy who's expected to, to either a take the reign of of the point guard of the future or b at the very least make that leap 
from where he was last year into a consistent offensive presence. But he's not going to do that if he's not challenged. You know, and Alfred Payton's a guy who a once he's he's a he's a bona fide point guard in this league, and B is a different type of guard. He's he's a guy who's going to defend. He's a guy who's gotten better as the years go on. And uh, I think those two guys, if I had to if I had to pin if I had to pinpoint any any two rosters, I say would be uh, any two players on the roster who I would say are are underrated signings. It'd be those. Be Marcus Morris and Alfred Payton. There are almost like three different lenses through which you have to view the Knicks' offseason. It's uh, one, the, the fact that they didn't get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but how they reacted to that would then be the second level. It's like, okay, you know what? You want to penalize them. Um, that's one lens. Then the other lens is, but what did they do afterwards? And it was good that they didn't really tether mm-hmm. themselves down long term to anyone. Like you said, Julius Randle was the longest contract they gave out. And of course, the third lens is we still have to recognize that there's very much TBD about the Kristaps Porzingis trade, since so much of that was about cap space, even though they got those two first and Dennis Smith Jr. I did think, though, uh, the Marcus Moore signing I, I end up liking, maybe kind of sort of poaching him from the Spurs, too, is a little bit of a flex, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he was Boston's, like, second-best scorer for majority of the season last year. And so maybe right. he's a guy you can flip after the deadline since he's on that expiring deal. I also like the Taj Gibson uh, signing just – to have what seems like a rock in the locker room. I guess where I sort of deviate is I almost felt like they went maybe like a couple signings too far. When you look at some of these guys who might need the ball in their hands, like Julius Randle, Bobby Porter's can play both on and off the ball, but Alfred Payton, I really want to see them just let the young kids rip. And so I, I thought maybe they just went a, a little bit too far down this veteran road, or at least veteran uh, ball dominant talent in a lot of ways. But I really did like the the Marcus Moore signing just from a play, uh, play perspective and also the, the physicality he's going to bring in defensive versatility on the floor. And then Todd Gibson seems like he's just in a great emotional bellwether for for any locker room that sort of lacks leadership in the macro. For sure. And I, and I agree with you on on the, the let the young kids rip uh, uh, standpoint. But you want to let the young kids rip in an environment where they're being challenged, where they're being pushed, where they're competing, where they're not getting blown out every game. If you're just trotting out five, or if you're trying out Milton Robinson, Dennis Jr., R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, and Julius Randle, and they're playing 38 of the 48 minutes every night, that's a team that's going to lose, you know, more often than not. If, you, if you're weaving in some vets, if you're throwing Marcus Morris on the floor, if you're throwing Taj Gibson on the floor, if you got Wayne Ellington, this guy who I didn't even bring up, who's going to play on both ends of the floor and space the floor out, you know, I, I think that that's the type of, of competitive environment that you want to have these young guys grow up in, because if there's one thing, you know, if there's one thing kids from college or, or, or NBA players or people who get drafted from college come up, you know, they're in college and they're used to winning. As soon as you get to the NBA, you start losing, you get frustrated, you get mad and things start boiling over when you're in this type of environment where you might, hey, maybe maybe the Knicks win 30 games next year as opposed to the 17 they won last year. Now you got the guys from last, you got Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson saying, okay, well, we're, we're taking strides in the right direction. And then you got the rookies, you got RJ and you got Iggy, who's probably going to have a decent season, depending on how many minutes he gets, because it's a lot of forwards that need their minutes. Um, you got RJ and, and, and Iggy talking about, hey, you know, this is actually something that, that's fun. We're getting some wins. We're learning how to win. And I think learning how to win is a very important part of the process. And if they're able to do that in their rookie season, if Kevin Knox and Mr. Robinson are able to learn how to do those things in their second season, uh, it, it'll, it'll, it'll benefit them for the long run for sure. Was there anything about their offseason uh, that stood out from a standpoint of you either didn't like it or you wish that they, they would have addressed it or you just view it as this huge need going forward that they probably should have made a more concerted effort to tackle? Hmm. Anything that I did not like from the Knicks offseason? That's a good question. Um, 
I mean, I still think the point guard position is a giant question mark. And it's not like there was an answer out there for them. I think that next year's draft is going to be huge. And if Dennis Smith Jr. doesn't take that step, then they're going to end up drafting one. Um, I think, to be honest, they may end up drafting one either way. Um, but, I mean, when you look at what they swung for, when you look at what they had become immediately after Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving decide they're going to Brooklyn, they, they for for the next at least 24 to 48 hours, the Knicks become the laughing stock of the entire league. That's, un, that's non debatable um and then they, they turn around and they flip that into our well, let's get these guys i think that they had as for the hand that they were dealt or for the hand that they thought they were dealt to to be to kind of turn around into what it became and then to flip that into the roster that they put together this offseason um i think it's i think it's halfway decent. i think the knicks had as good as an offseason as they could have asked in the aftermath of falling short of those superstars i think a lot of the the pressure now falls on Fizdale. We, I still don't know what type of coach he is. Um, we don't know what a Fizdale offense looks like. We don't really know what a Fizdale defense looks like, except for they're gonna they want to scrap. And I think that they've got a lot of guys who are gonna be able to do that. But um, I, and that's gonna be going off on a tangent. But to be honest, I think that you know the Knicks did what they could, um, mm-hmm. and you have to tip your hats off for that because they they could have they could have swung and tried to get to buy as Harris. They could have tried to get some other guys. They could have tried to sign Kemba Walker. They could have tried to do. They could have tried to go for another tier of superstar, or of star, not even a superstar, and uh, that would have been worst case scenario. So I think just by virtue of not doing that, and by actually trying to put together a competitive roster, uh, they had a successful loss. Yeah, by virtue, I like that. By virtue of them not nixing, they 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 had a good offer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this this is definitely for some teams. This might be difficult for the Knicks. I'm going to say that this question is not: Will they grade out higher on the offensive end or the defensive end next season? Uh, I think it, I think they'll be a, a, a easily a, a better defensive team than they are on offense, and that'll be where they struggle because they're going to be a good defensive team. But teams that can score are going to blow them out of the water. Um, I think offensively, we're going to see them struggle. Um, you're going to see Julius Randle with the ball in his hands more often than not for the first time in his career. I know, obviously, he, he had a role like that in New Orleans, but he's going to be a featured part of this offense this year. Um, and he's going to do so without a true point guard who's going to be able to set him up. We still don't know what Dennis Smith Jr. can do as a playmaker. We know he's an athlete. We know he has all this potential, but you put pieces around him, what's he going to be able to do? Uh, Alfred Payton, I think I think the lineup of, of Alfred Payton and Julius Randle on the floor together is going to be the one where we see them running and we see Payton being able to find him in transition and find him in pick and roll situation. I think those two are going to be a, a good complement on the floor with each other. Uh, put those two on the floor, get some shooters with the two and three, throw Mitchell Robinson in there. I think that'll be a fun lineup. Um, I actually completely forgot the question that you had asked me. Um, but It was, will they, you actually, uh, I went into it, yeah. it was, will they grade out oh, grading out. Offense? And I went into yeah, it thinking I, I you think, were going to say offense, and you've actually swayed me on the defensive perspective. No, nah, I think it's going to be tough because, listen, R.J. Barrett has to grow into that like we saw him have a slow summer league we saw him start off slow and then and then and then you know kind of build up steam towards the end of summer league I think he's going to be a player that it takes a year two years maybe three years for him to really settle into his own I would I, I hope I'm wrong you know I hope he comes out and, and wins rookie of the year and is averaging 22 points you know six assists seven rebounds a game I don't think it's going to work like that I think he's going to have to get used to the to the physicality I think he's going to have to get used to the size of guys these are things that he said that he had to get used to in summer league and guys are only going to get bigger faster and stronger in in the regular season um and then he's going to have to adjust to the to the NBA three-point line we saw some of his shots falling short in summer league I think he's going to have to to really he's going to he's going to have to go through the NBA rookie maturation process and that's fine but the Knicks are, are the Knicks drafted him because they're hoping that he can be one of those guys. They're hoping he can be a franchise cornerstone, somebody who can get buckets on 
guys. And when you look at the roster, they're not going to have guys like that. You think Alonzo Trier is going to come off the bench and get some buckets? He probably will, but you're not looking at him to be a, a 15, 18 point per game scorer. We still, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. summer workout videos look nice, but he has to convince me that he can shoot 35% from three before people start respecting him from out there. Otherwise, he's just he's still just on the floor to dunk, and I hope he's I hope I'm wrong about that. Julius Randle can get some buckets, but really, how much can you rely on him on the offensive end? Marcus Morris may end up leading the team in scoring. Um, Robinson's probably going to average 10 points. Like, how many points are the Knicks going to be able to score a game on a nightly basis? 90, 95, maybe. They're going to have to hold teams to under 105 points or so if they really want to have a chance. And I think they're going to be able to do that on some nights, but the NBA is just becoming such a league where teams are running up court, shooting threes, getting out in transition, forcing turnovers. And uh, I think their best bet is going to have to be being a, a strong defensive team. And if they're not going to be able to do that, it's, it's going to be tough for them. You showed me. I, the, the roster, to me, clearly leans towards the offensive side of the ball. But as you point out, the lack of that primary playmaker combined with the lack of experience and then combined even with sort of a lack of complementary pieces where maybe these guys fit together, maybe they don't because there are a lot of guys like Trier, Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox that are going to prefer to work with the ball in their hands. And, and so you sold me on the defense. I did not. That was already <laughs> off the rails there. You sold me there. Can do you see if you had to pick a breakout candidate for this roster, who would you pick? Man, um, so I, I I got to go to this uh, Puma Hoops event the other day, and Kevin Knox was there, and he was visibly, you know, it looked like he's been in the gym. He's been he's been working on his diet. He's been he's been eating foods that are that are good for him. He's been lifting some weights. He looked a little bulkier, and he's been saying, yeah, you know, I've been working out. He's saying, you know, hey, I want to be able to finish at the rim. I want to be able to be able to dunk on guys. I want to be able to absorb contact. And that's and that along with becoming a, a reliably consistent shooter from three are the things Kevin Knox needs to work on. He needs to he doesn't need to be a guy who's gonna put it on the floor and be able to break guys down and shoot step back jumpers or anything like that. He needs to knock down open shots and he needs to be able to slash finish at the rim. And if he's able to do those two things this year, I think he's gonna be able to dispel the stigma for him of uh, of his because he had he had a very rocky rookie year. You know, we didn't really see what we wanted to see from him. I was hoping that he'd be he'd be a little bit better than he was able to. But I mean, I, I think that from from what I was able to see, just from the way he attacked this offseason and his body just looks a little bit stronger. And then Sam, I think we really need to see Frank do something yeah. for himself. We saw him overseas compete competing in international basketball. And we saw him hit some step back jumpers. We saw him hit some pull-up threes. We saw him lock up Kemba Walker. I think for him, the issue is gonna be A finding him a position and finding him some minutes in this team where you have to give R.J. Barrett minutes, you're going to have to give Dennis Smith minutes, you're going to have to give Alonzo Trier. You don't have to give Alonzo Trier minutes, but if you need offense, you're going to give Alonzo Trier minutes, and you didn't bring Alfred Payton here to get minutes to not to, to sit on the bench, right? So does that mean Frank is a three? Is he a two? He might be a two, but R.J. Barrett is going to get the brunt of the minutes at the two. You want Wayne Ellington to get those minutes at the two because he can defend, and he's, he's a, a lights-out three-point shooter. So it's like, what do you do with Frank? If you put Frank on the floor and he starts actually – hooping is he part of the future or is he part of just like are you are you going to put him on the floor so his value goes higher and you trade him um i think he has a lot to prove not just to the knicks but to himself and to other teams that he still can be a valuable player and i think international play helped him but he's gonna have to show that he can do it in the nba we know what he can do on defense right we know we saw him lock up kemba walker a lot of the time uh when when france played team usa and that's something that he's been able to do i'm expecting mitchell robinson to have to build on his rookie year Obviously, I think he's a guy who's going to be able to win Defensive Player of the Year in one of the next seven years. I think you give him seven years. I think you give him six or seven years, he gets a Defensive Player of the Year in one of the 
was just because NBA loves to give those to big men, and I think he's going to be one of the the more dominant defensive paint uh, protecting bigs that we've seen in a while, like kind of like a Rudy Gobert. As long as he can get out of foul trouble, foul, he's he's his own worst enemy right now with the, with foul with standing foul trouble. So I think once he gets out of that, uh, once he gets out of that habit, he's able to protect the rim without. Out touching guys and not making committing stupid fouls. I think he's going to be another. The Knicks have a lot of guys who could be breakout candidates. Dan Smith Jr. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy who has to who has to step up and show other teams that hey, I was a top ten pick and this is why. You know, it's a lot of guys that they that they that they have. Um, if I had to pick one that I think is, it's tough to pick one. I would probably have to. I'd probably go with either Dennis or or Kevin. Um, maybe Mitchell. I I don't. I might not go with Mitchell just by virtue of I don't think he's going to get. 30 minutes a game I would like for him to but I think he's still going to be in foul trouble you still have to find minutes for Taj Gibson and you, you're probably going to play Bobby Portis or Julius Randle at the five every now and again so I don't think he's going to be a 30 minute a game guy but um if I if I had to put some money on on one of the on one player to have a breakout season it would be Dennis or Kevin I actually think I'd still go with the Kevin Knox one uh that'd be reassuring just after his rookie year was not just the statistics were, right. were, were terrible but I think I'd still go with Mitchell Robinson, it seemed like he kind of cut down on the, I want to say like clueless fouls or over-aggressive fouls towards the end of the season. And there are just sure. plays where he's like breaking up, it seems like a half dozen different actions. And uh, the playing time, though, is a good point. Yeah. Because, you know, we make fun of the Knicks for having so many power forwards. It's a funny joke, but like Taj Gibson in today's league is a center. Uh, Bob, yeah. Bobby Portis, he, he's going to be the best mis- mismatch at center for him. And so if, if he falls into this lull where, or to the stretch where he's still committing those fouls, Robinson, I mean, you know, how long of a leash is, is Fizdale going to give him? Is he going to just go to, to Taj Gibson and, and a Marcus Morris front court? Because that's what he feels that he can trust a little bit more. I think I'd still, I still think it's going to be him because to me, he seems aside from RJ Barrett right now, probably their, their best prospect. I really want to like Kevin Knox and I'm a Frank Nielakina stand, but just what Mitchell Robinson was able to do defensively as a rookie, last year on a team that wasn't good uh, was just yeah, super impressive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, Mitchell's my favorite player on the roster right now. And um, I think just by, you know, there's no guarantee that any of these guys who the Knicks signed this offseason will be on the roster beyond the trade deadline. You know, so you brought up Marcus Morris. Taj Gibson could be a guy they turn around and trade to a contender that might need, you know, front court depth because he can hit a corner three now if he's feeling good. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think I don't think Julius Randle or Bobby Portis is going anywhere, but they might turn around, like you said, deal Marcus Morris, uh, Reggie Bullock once he gets healthy, Wayne Ellington. Those are guys, you know, teams like like Houston would love to have a Wayne Ellington or a Reggie Bullock. What teams that need depth on the wing that or on a three and D guy? And the Knicks have two veterans who are trying to win. And uh, I, I think that you know, and I, I just bring all that. All, I bring that up to say, you know, second half of the season. If the Knicks end up moving some of those guys, we may see more minutes for for Frank to come out or for right. Mitchell Robinson to just eat those to eat those fouls and, and learn through it. So, so you never know. It, it, it's going to be fun watching it pan out. That's for sure. This is a tough question for this team, but if it, it's just one player that you had to pick, who's the one that's most likely to be traded before the deadline in February? Oh, um, I would say Frank. Um, just because I think that his value is higher-ish now, it's at, his value is at the highest it's ever been since he's been drafted right, right now. Let's 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 be clear. So basically, he took he down drafted, America, of course. And, yeah, exactly. He took not only did he took down America, but he did it in fashion. And then he also, you know, he he hit some big shots and he showed, you know, emotion. He hits that shot and he and he's hype. And then France wins and then he's super hype. Um, he actually looked like a basketball player today versus looking like that, like a triangle offense player 
when when Phil Jackson wanted him. And and now it's kind of like, okay, well, this is this is you know, will the will the real Frank please stand up? We're seeing the real Frank now. We need to see if, if what he can do on offense, and if he can do something on offense, I think the Knicks are going to try to trade him. Because to be honest, on the roster as currently constructed, there's really nowhere for him to play. You know, you want to play up three, but you got guys who you need to really put up three. You got Kevin Knox who needs those minutes, and then you got Marcus Morris who's kind of a tweener three four, but. So is Julius Randle. So, so are a lot of these guys. You got Wayne Ellington. You got Iggy, who you just drafted in the second round last year, who looks like he can play. You know, if I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to him. I want to see him on the floor, what he can do, because he's got an NBA body and, and he's competitive. You know, I really like him. So I, I'm looking forward to I, I think if I had to, to bet on somebody being traded before the deadline, it would probably be Frank. And then if we get to the deadline and the Knicks become sellers, then all those guys not named Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, <laughs> Um, I don't think Alfred Payton goes anywhere either. Any, anybody else is up for grabs. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that pick. It wouldn't even surprise me if they dealt him before the regular season at this point, since interest just might yeah. be a little bit higher. I will say, if mm-hmm. he makes it to the regular season, his first did not play. I'm going to cite patriotism when it happens by the Knicks. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can even bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. Or if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate this offer. Again, they will double your first deposit with promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. This this uh, strongest year-end award candidate on this team, whether it could be, if it, you think it's going to be coach of the year, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP, sixth man, most improved, if you had, this is a tough roster to do that for. Uh, but if you, who would be your strongest year end of the award candidate on this on this team? Mm, that's a tough one. I mean, it's well, kind we of a default really answer, I think. Right? Man. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't say. It's, uh, we, I, I, well, I don't know who you have. I'm gonna. I'm kind of gonna gonna suss through each award one by one. And obviously, the Knicks are not gonna get a most imp- uh, a most valuable or a defensive player of the award or a six man of the year candidate. I don't think. I don't think anybody off their bench is going to contribute enough to winning to justify their stats given that award. Um, they're definitely not see. having an I MVP. Think that the, <laughs> is that they're not having an MVP, they're not having a, a six-man, they're not having coach of the year, they're not having defensive player of the year. So those are all out of here. Uh, unless the Knicks somehow make the playoffs, which is impossible, then you then you give Fizz uh, coach of the year consideration. But I doubt that happens. Um, I would have to say it's going to have to be most improved. Um, and it's probably if Dennis Smith comes out wow. here shooting – Averaging 20 points a game, you give it to him. Um, I would like to – I don't know. I, Julius Randle, I think that's that's a cute pick. I think if you say, hey, maybe it's Julius Randle because he's averaging 20 points and exorcist in Maybe he was in too New good York, last but year. He was though. averaging a good amount. Of, yeah. He was averaging – he was he was doing good last year. So you can't really give it to him. Um, maybe Kevin Knox comes out and, and becomes a, a, da- a dangerous three-point shooter. Um, I, I, I don't see him. Him being a most improved, I don't think him. I don't see him generating enough buzz to be most improved player of the year candidate, unless he's really averaging 18 points or so. I think Dennis Smith is the guy. If he ends up becoming a a reliable starter 
uh, a guy who the Knicks start considering as as future of the of the point guard position for the franchise. If he's averaging, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the 19 points and seven assists uh, range, and he's he's shooting a decent percent from three, maybe 35, 36, 37 percent from three. If the Knicks win 33 games this year, if they double their win total, if they go from 17 to 34, and Dennis Smith is the face of the Knicks' success, I think you give it to him. Um. Other than that, I'm not really sure what other awards you could you could even consider them for. I was actually surprised. To be honest, who did you have? I I was gonna go with R.J. Barrett for Rookie of the Year. I think that that's probably. Oh, uh, I guess that's fair. But I, I I to be honest, I personally don't see him having a good enough season for that because if you got to move the ball around, you've got to give Marcus Morris is gonna want his. his buckets uh julius randall is going to get his buckets dennis smith is going to be the guy with the ball in his hands um kevin knox is going to get his shots i think the ball is going to go move around so much uh and there's and and you, there's a guys who who, who are going to need and obviously rj bear is going to get his, his shots up but he's going to go through those through those rookie lumps i don't see him averaging more than 12 or 13 points a game uh to be fair so uh i would i'm gonna be completely honest I, think I, my, I agree with you and i'm not high on rj barrett relative to the field but I think it would be really hard for this team to end up with any sort of other award. Again, this was sort of just like a pick your poison award. And I just think number three pick, if he's the player that they think he is or that he's going to be that player and he gets a chance to run a bunch of uh, pick and rolls, maybe as you know a, a secondary setup man or a, a quasi-primary setup man, uh, that would be his path to rookie of the year. And it helps that uh, you know there are, there are guys ahead of the pecking order in Memphis for John Moran. Uh, the, the Pelicans just have so much NBA talent. Is Zion Williamson going to stand out enough or, or have the ball in his hands enough to truly make that impact? There are there are better Rookie of the Year candidates, and Zion Williamson is one of them. But to me, I think that looking at the awards and how probably bad, just record-wise, the Knicks are going to be, I, I would think that Rookie of the Year is probably their best bet of getting a year-end candidate. Yeah, and and I I could see that. I think, I think John Moran is going to have a really good season. Uh, I think he's going to end up a being the 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 starter there, obviously. But b I think he's going to have a good season just by by virtue of having veterans on his team that he can set up. You know, I think he's an yeah. underrated playmaker. And when you've got a guy like 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 Triple J, number one, Darren Jackson Jr., that kid is going to be very very good. But not only just him, they've got I, I don't even have their roster on him, but they've got a lot of guys who are there ready to compete. Yeah, Figueroa stays around. I think just by virtue of having those guys who can play, yeah, I think they're going to they're going to end up moving. But I think just by having those, they've got JV. I forgot about him. They got Valentinus. They signed him to a three-year deal. It's gonna Crowder. be a dump off to him in the paint if he can yeah. go by. You got Crowder. Uh, I'm not sure. They might have. They might still have Kyle Korver. Or they might. No, they don't have him. Go. I'm not sure He's what they're doing now. Yeah. 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 He is on the Bucks. See, there it is. Um, you know, they've got they've got a couple different guys there that that, that John Moran is going to be able to not necessarily defer to, but be able to to pass the ball to in a situation where okay. I've gotten by one man. The help just came. All right, let me kick it out to my shooter in the corner, or let me dump it down to JV. Oh, look, let me run a screen with Triple J. Easy money there. I don't think RJ is going to have that type of opportunity because the Knicks are still trying to figure out what, what they are, and uh, it's going to be fun for him. I think he's going to have one of those those volume shooting seasons. I think he's going to turn the ball over a lot. He's going to shoot below forty percent. He's going to shoot thirty something percent from three, low thirties, uh, probably thirty eight percent from the field. And but he's going to make enough plays for us to see the future for him. I think the future for him looks like a James Harden type of player. He's going to be as good as James Harden is, but he's going to be in that mold. I just don't think he has a good enough year this year to, uh, to, to win. I think it's John Morant to win, to be honest. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't have an airtight argument against that by any means. What, what's the, <laughs> what's the lineup on this team that, that you're dying to see? 
what is the line? Bonus points if it's I'm off the walls. Okay. Um, I, I guess first and foremost, I'd like us to clone Mitchell Robinson four more times and just throw <laughs> five of him onto the floor and just see if that experiment works. So I think he can put the ball on the floor a little bit more than, than Fizz is letting him do. Obviously, we don't want him to, to be up there dribbling the full length of the floor, but I think he can do that. Um, I, okay, so any lineup that I would have that I would love to see would obviously start with Mitchell Robinson. Uh, it would also have Julius Randle out there. Um, what else? I, I, I want to see Dennis Smith out there. Um, I think the lineup that I want to see is, the, is their starting lineup. I think you go Dennis Smith, RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. I don't think it's a, a, a off-the-walls lineup. I think that's the best lineup they're going to be able to try it out that shows the type of team that they're going to have to be. If they're going down this road, if they're if they're taking this team and, and building it, then you're gonna have to have Dennis or a type of, of Dennis two, three, four point type of point guard in the future. You're gonna have RJ, you're probably gonna have Kevin if you don't sell on him, you're gonna have Mitchell, and you're gonna have a, a playmaker slash a, a scorer at the four. And and the Knicks in that lineup that I just wrote that I just rolled out, that's Dennis, RJ, Kevin, Julius, Mitchell. That, in my opinion, I think that's their best lineup. They're gonna, well, maybe it won't be their best lineup because you could probably take out Kevin Knox and throw Marcus Morris in there at some point, and that'll be a fun lineup because he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to get you buckets on one end and then knock somebody out on the other end. But I think that um that that lineup is good. It shows you the future of what the team under Fizz, if they keep this type of, of roster construction, would look like. Um, but I personally don't think that a lot of these guys are going to factor into the future because in two in two years or so, the Knicks are going to hit twenty twenty one free agency, and I think that's going to be when things turn around for them. I think my lineup would be very similar to yours. I would just pull Randall, go super small and put in Frank Nielakina. And I would, that's oh, God. super small on the wings, but I would try it. I mean, RJ and Knox have good size for wings and Frank Nielakina can probably get away with defending some threes. So I would just, just something I'd like to see off the rails, but I would just like to see it. Okay. I could see that. If, he, if he's hitting the three ball, I could see Frank playing somewhere. I, I, I'm not lying. I can't see anyone putting <laughs> No, that's not happening. Um, one word answer for this question. Where do you think they'll finish in the East? East. I feel like any answer of a record is more than one word. Well, I meant I like us seeding. Sorry. Apologies. You say what? Uh, just the seed. What place they'll oh, finish Oh, the seed. That's uh, my thing. Um, I was having having this discussion with somebody yesterday who felt that the Hawks were a, a playoff team and I rattled off eight teams that would pay, outpace them in in the playoffs and then I had another one I think the Wizards will have a better season than the Hawks so that would make eight nine ten I think the Knicks will be somewhere fighting with the Hawks uh, I think the Knicks and the Hawks are, are in are in a similar place uh, in that they have some young guys and now and now it's a matter of, of rounding it out with some with some older some some veterans and then getting some star power in there um so i think i would go 10 11 for them i don't think they're gonna be 15 it's tough though hold on let me let me pull up this hold on one second eastern conference standings okay this is there eastern conference standings 2019 no not hockey there it is. Eastern Conference fan is 2019 NBA. And we're going to go through this. We're going to go through this team by team. We're going to go through. I think that it's going to be Milwaukee and Philly as the one and two. doesn't really matter to me which one finishes where. I got Philly going to the finals. Um, I think after that, you've got some. Indiana's probably going to be third. Then you've got some some variation of Boston, Brooklyn, Toronto for a four, five, six. Then you've got, I think Detroit is going to be a playoff team this year. I think Orlando's 
going to be a playoff team, and that's your eight. I don't know. And then you still got Miami. Miami's going to sneak in there somewhere. So Miami will probably be a playoff team over Orlando this year, which means Orlando is going to be ninth. Uh, and then after that, you've got probably the Wizards slash the Hawks at 10-11. Man, the Knicks are going to be somewhere in there around the Bulls. So that's 10-11-12. I'll put the Knicks 10-11. I'll go 11th place for the Knicks this year. Um, I want to see them win 33 games. I think the East is going to be a little more competitive than it's been just because I just rattled off nine or ten teams that you can you can argue are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, so barring something completely unforeseen, like Dennis Smith averaging 25 points and Julius Randle averaging 20 and 12, um, and then Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett having outstanding seasons, I don't think the Knicks are going to finish higher than 10th. 10th would be best case. Um, I don't think they're going to finish 15th, 14th. Because the bottom of the East is obviously going to be, I think Charlotte and Cleveland are going to be at the bottom. Um, Chicago is going to be a little bit better than people think, but I don't think that they're going to be good enough. Um, so that's what, 15, 14, 13. I got them somewhere between 12, 11, 10. That's my drawn out one word answer is in the 10 to 12 range. I agree with their ceiling being 10th. I, I do feel they'll probably end up being 13th just because, like you said, I only see Cleveland and Charlotte being the teams that I think you could say with somewhat confidence will be worse than them. Uh, but again, yeah. If 100%. things break right, you know, with Atlanta, if they decide they're not winning early on and they you know, not tank, but they just don't have a ton of established talent there, uh, maybe they're better than them. So 10 seems like a good ceiling. What would be a bold prediction for you for this team next season? This is the last question on them. Um, Bold prediction on the Knicks is uh, my bold prediction is they don't trade anyone not named Frank Nilekina at Ooh. the trade deadline. Um, I think. They keep it together and they compete all the way through and they keep uh, Marcus Morris and all those guys because they know that those guys, the guys that they brought in are culture setters, right? So I think the, the easy way out is to trade some of them at the deadline and, and sell and tank. And, and But at this point, number one, tanking doesn't help you. We just watched the, the, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies end up with two of the three best picks just and they ended up, I think they were tied for the seventh worst record in the NBA last year. So it's like, you know, I, I know there were three teams. They were they were tied. It was a three way tie. It was uh, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks, and they all finished thirty three and and forty nine. And the Pelicans and the and the Grizzlies lucked into the lottery. So that just shows you that you don't tanking doesn't necessarily help you anymore, especially if you're a team like the Knicks and you're not gonna finish, you're not gonna make the playoffs either way. It's like you might as well just compete. You're not gonna be one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, so I guess that was me going off on a tangent and saying that I think that they end up keeping their squad together. They keep all these guys. And uh, they just compete. They figure out a way, and they're not going to make the playoffs. But you, you put together a competitive team. Uh, hopefully, you win 30 games, and then maybe you enter next summer and you trade one of your guys. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. But that would be my bold prediction: is they keep the whole team together, and with the exception of potentially trading Frank for a, a an early second round or something like that. My bold prediction, even though I had this already, I'm going to steal what you said. My bold prediction is going to be one of your breakout candidates, and I'm going to say that Kevin Knox is not going to suck. I think he's going to end up being good. I still okay. see someone that looks like he has okay. a good feel for the game there. Hey. Brooklyn uh -huh. Nets. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was just saying I'll take it. If Kevin Knox has a breakout year, that's, that's good for the Knicks, so why not? Brooklyn Nets. All right, guys, we have an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shape gel, 
and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. So Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, just let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Brooklyn Nets were fourth in the Atlantic last year, 42 and 40. I think you could probably say with some confidence they'll be higher than fourth again, but at the same time, when you look at who's in front of them, I don't I don't know that you could definitively say that. Uh, what was We know what their big moves were. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. DeAndre Jordan, they did some stuff on the margins. What was the, their most underrated move, or maybe just an understated move that was their your favorite by them this summer? Um, Karis LeVert's extension. Give Karis LeVert uh, three years, fifty million, or fifty-two point five million, or whatever it was. Um, extension that kicks in kicks in at the end of this at the end of this upcoming season. Um, obviously you bring in Kyrie Irving, you bring in um DeAndre Jordan, which that's the one that that, that scratches my head. <laughs> Not necessarily bringing him in. Uh, as as the glue that connects the guys, but you bring him in and you give him four years, forty million dollars. You still have Jared Allen, and then you also draft a big man in uh, in Nick Claxton. Puts Jared Allen in a really awkward position when he had such a great season last year. It was kind of confusing to me. Um, other than that, bringing Garrett Temple, um, I guess you know I don't really know too much about Garrett Temple. I haven't really watched him now. Good move. Much. It seems like I was score. surprised he got two years and ten million. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah. It looked like to me the Nets swung for the fences and and uh, well maybe not even necessarily swung for the fences. I, the, from the way I saw things broke down, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant chose the Nets and then the Nets reacted like, okay, well let's just put together a roster around these guys and it kind of just like it, it almost like they weren't prepared for this to happen. You know, they weren't prepared for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come and from that point they just put together they just went out and got who they could. I think they could have used their money a little bit more effectively. Because um, when you look at the contracts, they go, you give DeAndre Jordan that money, you give Garrett Temple that money. I like the David and Waba signing. Um, I think he's a guy who's going to break into the rotation and really steal some minutes because I've been able to watch him in spurts, you know, be it in Cleveland or be it in Chicago. And he's a guy who, A, busts his ass on the defensive end. And it looks like he's at least working towards becoming a serviceable three-point shooter. And that's the type of player that Kenny Atkinson absolutely adores. Um, I think size for him is going to be an issue. I think he's six four ish six four and a half and you'd like him to be six six but you can't generate height uh, out of thin air um but i think he's a guy who's gonna who's gonna uh, work his way into the rotation um the wilson chandler signing i was kind of uh, a fan ish of and then he got the, the ped suspension so there's that but um circling back to the carousel verdict extension um that's the first guy that sean marks drafted right that is the very that's the number one pick up Sean Marks's uh, tenure as GM. And this is a guy who busted his ass in college, who got hurt, who, who bounced back from injury in college, bounced back from two injuries in college. It goes, I think, uh, so what is it, 16, 17, one of those, either 16 to 17 to Brooklyn. Um, and then he just self-made, he's just humble. He's a guy who just, he showed us what, think about it, before D'Angelo Russell took over, that was Karis LeVert's team, right? Karis LeVert's right. team, before Karis LeVert gets hurt, 
he's averaging what like 18 and a half or some points and assists and, and doing up offensive points, hitting game winners. Uh, I think he, he hit a game winner against Detroit or almost hit a game winner against Detroit. Hit a floater. There's a couple big things. You look at the playoff numbers. He has the he's the highest he's the leading scorer in the playoffs for them last year. And then you reward that by giving him an extension ahead of time. Um, I, I was a big fan of that move. I think that move is underrated because a it shows Karras that the team is confident in him. Uh, to bounce back from whatever setbacks that he has. And B, when you look at his trajectory and to the type of playmaker he's becoming, um, this is a guy who's the real deal, you know? And and for them to, to to lock him down now, for both of those guys, for both of the sides to agree to get him a, a long, long-ish term contract extension at the number that they got, um, I think that was a, a great move for them, a great move for Karras. And I think that uh, we're going to see, talk about breakouts season, Karras LeVert has an opportunity last year uh, I was uh, last year. I think I wrote while I was at SB Nation. I think I wrote that he had a uh, most improved player. I was work. I was either working on a most improved player story on Karras, or I published one. I'm not ex- exactly sure. Uh, and then he got hurt. Um, I think that he's going to pick up right where he left off this year. And if he doesn't get most improved player, it's only by virtue of guys knowing that he's already been this. Yeah, he, he would have been if he stayed healthy, top two in that voting for sure. I don't think he he beats out exactly. Pascal Siakam, but he definitely would have been in that top two spot. Um, sure. And I, I agree with you. That's the most underrated move. If he's the player that they believe he is, you all of a sudden have someone on a three-year deal after next season. Well, for under lock and key for the next four years, that would ends up being a bargain per year. Um, was, right. there, was there anything, I'm assuming you already touched upon this a little bit, was there anything about their offseason that you did not like or, or felt that they failed to address? Um. Yeah, you know, um, you know, when a team signs two superstars, anything that they do, any, any criticism, that you have of them can be considered nitpicking, right? right. They got Kyrie Irving, they got Kevin Durant, right. you're still going to find criticism. Oh, are you a hater? No, I'm not a hater. I'm just watching them. I think any smart Nets fan, any person who's watched the Nets over the last couple of years still understands that the Nets have not addressed their hole at the four. You bring in Torian Prince, and I think he's going to play those minutes at the four. He's going to have to, but he's not a natural four. He's a three. Right. You've got Rodion's Cruz, who's going to miss, who's probably going to miss games with that with that domestic violence uh, assertion or charge or whatever. Whatever it is that we're going to call it, we still haven't heard an update on that. Um, you lose Jared Dudley, replacing Wilson Chandler, which channels out 30-something games. And you're not, I, I don't know if they're going to go to Carmelo Anthony. I think that they really, I, and I won't say blew it, because obviously Cameron Durant's coming next year, and he's going to probably play those those minutes at the, at the four, which is going to be interesting as well, unless you move Karras to the two, and then you put Kevin Durant at the three, and then you still have a hole at the four that you can't really solve with. Because you don't have cap space, so you got to sign someone with your mid-level. Um, I think the four, the, the position at the four is going to be an issue for them, um, unless they're planning on trading for one, which could be interesting because they have different pieces that they can put together to make a very compelling trade. Um, let me see what else would I say. But obviously, that's just nitpicking. You go and get a superstar guy like Kyrie. You got Kevin Durant who's going to come back at some point. Um, that's giving you a chance to win no matter what you do. Um, the DeAndre Jordan signing, obviously, I think that was that was a little questionable for me. Um, just because now, obviously, hey, Jared Allen proved that he's your guy. When you got a guy who blocks superstars left and right last year, you don't go in and bring another right center in and then pay him. They gave DeAndre Jordan forty million dollars. They could have given another small, another power forward. Um, I don't know that 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 move kind of made me scratch my head um, a little bit. But um, apparently, he was the glue. You know, he had to come with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just because he knew them. I don't. I don't know what that was maybe that's something that i'll figure out this year exactly what his role was in recruiting them um but hmm, what i might have tried to call i might have tried to call their bluff if that was what kyrie Irving kevin durant said i probably wouldn't have been brave enough in the moment to do that but 
that'd be my pick as well. Just you, know, like, what, like what are the odds? What are, what are the odds of you being at the at the table and you're and you're talking to Kevin Durant, you're talking to Kyrie, Irving, and and from and from what's been reported, you know, there were no conversations until Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose the 100%. Nets, right? So, so Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose the Nets, and now you want me to believe that that DeAndre Jordan of all people <laughs> was the glue, even though they had chosen on social media you already now you want me to believe oh wait no if we didn't get deandre jordan they were gonna gonna renege on that i i don't buy it so that that was kind of a head scratcher for me especially when you got jared Allen, who had the season that he had um i think they're gonna they're gonna have a log jam at that center position because the guy who they drafted nick Paxson, is good he can hoop he's 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 a a, a rim protecting rim rolling finisher at the rim um, I don't think he's he's necessarily a jump shooter but all these guys are working on their jump shots now you know what i'm saying that he's gonna have a corner th- in two years, right? DeAndre Jordan, I don't know. Maybe DeAndre Jordan becomes a trade candidate in a year or so. But if not, if nobody wants him, and trust me, I, I watched a couple of Knicks games last year. He wasn't good on the Knicks. He wasn't good on the Mavericks. If he's thinking it up and nobody wants him now, it's like, what do you do, right? So, I, and and that all maybe and may, that could be a. a, a that could be an indicator that there's, there's a subsequent trade, a subsequent trade maybe looming. You've got Jared. Allen, you've got Spencer Dinwiddie, you've got Joe Harris, you've got Karis LeVert. I doubt you trade Karis, but maybe you package three of those four guys and go get you a Bradley Beal. You know, that's a that's a possibility. I don't know. Obviously, the Wizards have been have been you know they haven't really been trying to 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 deal him, but that's a possibility. The Nets are are a team that has a lot of moving parts. You can put together some of those future picks and go get you another guy. Or maybe that's how they go address their hole at the four. Right? I don't know. Maybe maybe they're playing chess and I'm playing checkers, but I think I've done a good job enough of playing chess, of watching them play <laughs> chess all these years to kind of understand what's going on and what's not going on. Um, again, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm king of going off on tangents, so I apologize. I love I think the, the one thing that I, I would say was the, the, the head scratcher for me was not addressing that four spot. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if your goal was to play, Play Wilson Chandler a lot of those minutes at the four. I think you, you messed up there. Um, and then Torian Prince. If your goal is to play Torian Prince a lot of the minutes at the four, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, he shot forty percent from three last year, and well, thirty nine percent. Excuse me. Let me let me correct that. He shot thirty nine percent from three last year, and I think he has you know the makeup to be a, a defender who can check a couple different guys. But when you're talking to Hawks people, you know they're they're not so high on him, and they're like, hey, we, we traded him away for a reason. And you'll see what that is. This year, I had another guy who says, yeah, he doesn't really know exactly what his role is or thinks his role is one thing when it should just be a 3 and D. So you guys will get, you guys will see what we're talking about if he doesn't necessarily buy into what it is. So I think it's going to be a big year for a couple guys. I think that four, that four spot is going to, is going to come into, into play at, at a certain point this season. Yeah. Maybe it helps Torian Prince that he's not going to need to dribble in Brooklyn as much and, but it, does, it does seem like he has Rodney Hood syndrome a little bit, where he defends smaller than he actually is. Uh, and and like you pointed out, the Wilson Chandler signing, they thought they had at least taken a step to address the four spot. But I'm with you there. If you don't give out the DeAndre Jordan contract, like maybe that opens up. You know, you couldn't have gotten Marcus Morris based off the contract that he signed, but maybe Markeith Morris. Could you take a flight? Markeith Morris would have been beautiful. You bring in Markeith, and obviously. He had a, he had a, a very lukewarm season last year. They didn't work out in OKC the way you probably. Have. Hope, but there were a couple options they could have gone out and gotten. Mike and Scott, even just uh, just somebody. Mike Scott would have been great. That'd have been nice. You could have brought Mike Scott off the bench. You could have started Torian Prince, brought Mike Scott off the bench, had him play the brother of the Miz, then put Torian Prince back in at the three. Now you've got something going. Now you've got Kyrie, Harris, or Joe Harris. You've got 
who else, whoever else you've got, Torian Prince, Mike Scott, DeAndre Jordan. No, no, you don't have DeAndre Jordan. You've got Jared Allen. You've got something going on there. Um, I think we're going to see a, 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 it probably won't even matter now because we're going to see a, a lot of other lineups. Like they're going to run Kyrie and Spencer out there on the floor at the same time. Um, you're going to see Kyrie, Spencer, Joe. You're going to see Spencer, Joe, Karras. The, the one thing that I will say about the Nets, they're going to have a lot of, of, of uh, creativity with their different lineups that they can run out there. And um, and then that'll be fun for them. But I still think no matter what they do, the four is going to be an issue. And it's going to be fun. I won't say fun. It's going to be interesting to see what Kenny does to to, to work on that because he doesn't have a, a a steady option there. And that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm all for if you want to throw Musa out at the four, too. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, Shout out to Musa. That's my guy. I like him. Um, hopefully he gets some minutes this year. I don't see him getting too much, too many minutes because the Nets are just a deep team right now. Yeah, but but maybe if they don't sign Melo and Chandler's out, like maybe he can – and I don't know. Like Lord you said, mercy. we don't know what's going on with Kuru's either. So maybe he's able to crack the rotation in some There's a lot of – there's a lot of – there's a lot of parts. There's a lot of moving parts to the Nets roster. I hope, uh, I hope something happens for them. Uh, will will they be better on offense or defense? Um, that's a good question. Um, hmm. hmm. Thinking about the Nets roster, you got Jared Allen playing. Jared Allen, DeAndre joining. You're gonna have one of them in the game controlling the paint at all times. Um, you got Kyrie Irving. Uh, he, I think Kyrie gets a bad rap as being a bad defender. I don't think he's necessarily a bad defender. I think he just chooses when he wants to play defense with energy and intensity and usually those are in games that matter and if games don't matter or if it's like a, a personal challenge in an individual in an individual matchup um so i don't think um but at the same time he's going to be a better a better defender than d'angelo russell is or ever will be and that's just by virtue of him being quicker um, and D'Angelo Russell, obviously, his biggest his biggest uh, flaw was lateral quickness. He can't really get around too many people. That he can't really check too many people. Um, that's that's unfortunate for him. That's why the two is probably the best spot for him. Um, Joe Harris is a, is a, a an underrated defender, smart defender. Harris is an underrated defender, smart defender. Um, I think that would be. That's a good question. You asked me if they going to be a better team on offense or defense. Because now I'm thinking defensive rating. How many points are they going to give up per hundred possessions? Um, I think that they will be a team that's going to score a lot. Are they going to score a lot? You've got Kyrie. You've got Joe. Joe's probably not going to give you more than 12 points a game. You're probably going to get 17, 16, 17 points out of Karras. Um, probably 12 or 13 out of TP. You're going to get 15 out of Spencer. Kyrie's going to give you 24. Wow, that's the first time we've mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie on the podcast. That's That's wild. Totally forgot about him for a minute. Yeah. The human stock. Uh, yeah, Spencer didn't we? <laughs> That's my guy. Spencer's cool, people. Um, I, I think the Nets check out as a slightly better offensive team than defensive team uh, next year. I think they're going to be good on defense just because that's who Kenny Atkinson is. He's going to coach them to be to, to hustle on the defensive end every single time. Uh, as long as they don't give up any of that, that gritty edge that they had last year, I think they'll be fine. Um, but I also think they're going to be solid on offense. Um. I think they're going to be a team that probably, yeah, I think they're going to check out as a slightly better offensive team than defensive. But I agree with everything you said right down to the in real time struggle of trying to figure it out. Hard team to figure out <laughs> which side of the ball they're going to be better on. Who's your, who would be the top breakout candidate from this roster for you? Um, or player to make um, the major leap, however you want to frame it. Um, I think the 
Cats are going to need Karras to step into that 20-point-per-game. So he's, he's The Nets are going to need him to have a 20-and-5 type of season where he's having 20 points and five assists a game. Um, and other than that, like you know what Spencer Dinwiddie is. He's a guy who's going to be attacking and getting downhill. Um, I don't think the Nets have any other players on their roster where you don't know who they who or what they are. Um, unless Torian Prince comes out here and he starts, you know, hooping like Kobe. Um, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it's it's Karras. I think he's going to take the step from being, you know, the guy who has all this potential in the world to actually realizing that potential and becoming that all-star caliber type of guy. Um, I think that we know, I think we know that he has playmaking ability. I think we know that the issue for him is becoming a, a more confident and reliable three-point shooter. Um, it's something about his shot. He has a little hitch in, in his three-point shot and in, in his jump shot in general. And I guess that's just, going to be the way he shoots um but if i had to go with anybody um i think we know what jared allen is, is as well we know he's a rim protector um we know he's a, he's a guy who can finish at the bat at the basket but he's not going to be a guy who, who gets post-up touches right. and now he's gonna have to split minutes with deandre jordan right so i don't think he's going to be a guy who takes another major leap we know what he is already um i think, I think the thing with Karras is that we know what he is but but we kind of have a feeling of what he can become which is, you know, a guy who the offense can run through on a consistent basis, a guy who can who can really light it up, a guy who can maybe get you 30 points on any given night. Um, it's just a matter of actually realizing that. And I don't think anybody else on the roster, now that I'm thinking about it, has, you know, I won't say untapped potential, but enough untapped potential for them to be a, a breakout candidate, you know, unless it's Torian Prince. Torian Prince is a guy who I always thought was a, was a trade candidate in in Atlanta just for the simple fact that he, was, he played some pretty good basketball back when they were competitive and then they had to tank a little bit and now they're kind of rebuilding um i'm trying to make sure i'm not forgetting anybody that they may have signed this year even if you're um, forgetting someone i think where you really hit it is we know karis lavert is going to have an opportunity whereas even if you were super high on Cruz yeah. or musa or even prince i don't think you that you can guarantee that they're going to have the type of reps that karis lavert is going to get yeah i think and another one i don't i think joe harris you know what he is you know he's he's one of the best shooters in the NBA and a guy who could finish at the rim. But for him to be a breakout player, he's going to have to start breaking guys down on offense. And that's just not in his in his toolbox. I'm sorry. If that happens, um, though, because he can be a little bit frisky be... when the lane's open. But if he starts, like, cooking guys off the dribble, yeah. that'll be wild. <laughs> I think I think that in, in, in some alternate reality, we see a resurgence of DeAndre Jordan. He has being, a reason in, to get back on defense for the first time in he two has, years. So. Yeah, he, he has a reason. Exactly. He's playing in a, in a real competitive environment for a team that's definitely making the playoffs in a city that he wants to be in. Um, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, a reality where he becomes a, a, a resurgent type of player. I mean, maybe not necessarily a comeback player of the year, but he has a bounce-back season where he's maybe averaging. And, and his stats weren't even bad last year, but it's just the way he's perceived on the floor now might change. Um, but I don't think he, he tests out in this in this question better than Karis though yeah I mean if he ends up being the answer at age 31 or whatever he is that would that would be absurd who would be (laughs) who's the one player most likely or not who is the player most likely to get traded on this team hmm 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 it would have to be hmm I'm I'm thinking the entire roster right now it wouldn't be obviously it's not gonna be Kyrie I don't think you trade Spencer. He's the one that recruited Kyrie. I don't think you trade Karras after he, after you give him this deal, and you know that he's a the, the face of, of Sean Marks in terms of player development. Um, I think that the Nets 
maybe they did it by accident. I think they accidentally put Jared Allen in a bad position because you've got him now competing for minutes against DeAndre Jordan and against the rookie. Right. And the rookie is good. It's not like they just drafted a random kid and told him he's going to be in the G League. He's going to be in the G League, sure, just because he needs to get reps up. But that kid is going to be good. So it's like, dang, do you put like, obviously, you want to develop DeAndre Jordan. I mean, not that you want to develop Jared Allen, but you've got to understand that his contract extension is coming up at any minute. Well, this, uh, I mean, maybe not any minute. His contract, he's got, he's got some time. Um, well, but, they can extend him next summer. And so I, wouldn't say, I don't know if he, you know, now we're at the point where everything's moved up. Is Does he like view this as a contract year in his eyes? And what kind of message do you send if you have DeAndre Jordan and you want Claxton, like you said, as part of the rotation? Exactly. Um, It's tough. I mean, I think there's a reality where the Nets make a push around the trade deadline and try to get Bradley Beal. And if that's the case, then anyone not named Kyrie Irving and probably, probably, you're probably Durant, not trading assume. DeAndre Jordan in that deal. You're not trading Kevin Durant. You're probably not trading DeAndre Jordan, A, because he's going to, if you're, if you're getting those guys, you want him on the floor and B, another team is probably not going to want to take that four years, $10, $40 million contract over him. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a rea- there's there's a world where the Nets try to make that trade, and in that case, you see Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert numbers coming up just because of of matching Bradley Beal's salary. Um, other than that, it's hard for me to find that answer. I don't think the Nets are in a place where they can make a trade, and it's probably not the season. Either a, they have got. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. What were you saying? I was just gonna say it's. I think what you were you sort of touched upon already is it might not be the season to do that because you need to see what. You know, you're going to be good, and you're going to be better once KD comes back, but you also need to understand where you sit and what you actually kind of need around him and Kyrie Irving together, and you're not going to get that sense of comprehension this season. Exactly. You're not going to get that. And on top of that, you've got a very fine line between players that – between you've got three tiers. You've got untouchables, you've got pieces for the future, and then you've got role players slash players that other teams don't want. And those two role players slash players that the teams don't want make up half your team right there, right? So you've got Kyrie, KD, uh, DeAndre Jordan, um, Jaron Allen, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince. Those are guys that are I wouldn't. Those are guys that are are going to get the brunt of all the minutes. Maybe the Rodion's Krugs in there too. Um, those are guys that are going to get the brunt of the, uh, the brunt of the minutes. And you're not trading Kyrie. You're not trading KD. Nobody probably wants DeAndre Jordan. Right, so now you've got Joe Spencer, Karis, uh, Kurooks, and Jared Allen. You can pick three out of three or four of those five and make and add picks onto it and make a very compelling trade offer for a team that has a disgruntled star. Right, so maybe I, I don't necessarily know what team that is, but maybe it's Bradley Beal. Maybe things don't work out somewhere out west and someone wants out. There's a lot of different different ways they could do it. So if I had to bet on someone being traded, I would bet on one of those four. Be it, I, I, and I would bet it's not Karras. I would bet on it be either, either being Joe, Spencer, uh, who else was it? Jarrett or TP, one of those four. I probably wouldn't even be TP. He's going to probably stick to it. Yeah, you're right. And I, I think the, the Karras stuff is, like you said, Bradley Beal is probably a good name to mention. Unless he becomes available, that just doesn't seem like a conversation. That, and it's also, he's in a poison pill year, so I don't even think they would trade him this season that would be something maybe you look at next summer i would just i would take the cop-out answer and say garrett temple makes a little bit of money and has a team option for year two and that just seems uh, like miniature trade bait to me sure i guess that is the cop-out answer you're right <laughs> uh, hey i'm here to hedge and cop out that's why i'm here 
Uh, there it is. <laughs> strongest year-end award candidate for this team. Mm. Mm. I think, let's see. Um, Spencer for six men is a strong, he has a strong, a strong bid in there. Um, even though that, that award has belonged to Lou for some time. Um, I think we see some Lou, Lou Williams fatigue this year. Unless Lou Williams comes out and is averaging 25 points a game, which I just don't see happening. Um, I think voters go away from Lou um, this year. I think Spencer is going to have to be good. He's going to have to be better than he has to, he's going to have to be better than he was last year. He was really good last year um, for the Nets to be for the Nets to be a better team than they were last year. Um, just because they've shaken a lot of things and they're still trying to figure it out, he needs to be that guy that comes off the bench and gives them a lot of those minutes. That gives them a lot of production off the bench. Um, so you got Spencer as a candidate there. Um, I don't want to say Karras could be most improved just because, like, we know what he was last year. Mm-hmm. So he'd have to be he'd have to be in, in a borderline. No, he'd have to be an all-star to be most improved considered um, this year. I'm trying to think what else there is. Uh, depending on where the Nets finish, can you, can you put Kenny Atkinson in the coach of the year consideration? You bet. If they finish third, maybe second, why not? Um, but I don't think he's going to – I don't think the Nets are going to be good enough for him to, to be in that conversation. Um, I don't think the Nets are going to be good enough for Kyrie to be in the MVP conversation. Um, I don't think DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, or the rookie or anybody else is going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, yeah, I think Spencer has the best chance on this team to win an award, uh, unless you're going with Joe Harris winning the three-point shootout again, but that doesn't really count. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count that. I, I think I would go with you as well with Spencer, the six-man-of-the-year pick. Part of me wants to go with Kyrie Irving because he at least has – I'm with you. I don't think the Nets are going to be good enough for him to enter the conversation, but he also kind of has the built-in narrative argument. If the Nets are good and there's no, you know, rumors of him pouting behind the scenes, it's like he came in, he doesn't have Kevin Durant alongside him. The Nets are really good. The locker rooms together, the teams, the teams winning. He earns a lot of just narrative points by, by way of that potentially happening. The Nets, if the Nets win 50 games, he'll be an MVP candidate for sure. I don't think they win 50 games. I think they win, they won 42 last year, then they win somewhere between 44. And I think they win 45 games this year, to be honest. What's the lineup you're dying to see from this squad? Mm. Um, hmm. I want to see Kyrie, Spencer, Karras, um, Jarrett, and who do I want that for? Mellow. Well, it'd be nice if they had one, because then you'd put them back in Mellow. That'd be nice. Um, hmm. Kyrie, Spencer, Karras, Jared in there, and then that's tricky. See, I, and this brings me back to their whole four spot. Like, I, would <laughs> that, I would love to complete that lineup with the with the default four there, but there's nobody they have. Do I want to put Tori and Prince there? Sure, he shoots forty percent, but that's not fun. I want someone who's going to be able to run and dunk. I want a Julius Randle type of guy there, but the the Knicks have him. You know, so that would be nice if they had him there or if they had like a, an aggressive shooter. I thought Miritich would also be nice, but he he laid a dud in the playoffs last year, so there was that. Um, I think they'll have to manufacture a four, which is going to be – I think they can go with a, with an undersized four and throw uh, Nwabo at the four. That'd be funny. He's 6'4", but that guy's big. He's strong. He can, he can, he can check some of these, these lankier or some of these other fours. Um, and I don't think – I think we might actually see that, to be honest. Kenny's, Kenny, he's kind of – Hey, he played like before a, a Marcus Smart kind of guy. You look, I thought I was going to be trendy because that's my exact lineup with having Nuaba be the four, uh, the same that you just mentioned. But it, he played it in Cleveland, like you said, he's just strong. That's the lineup I want to see too. 
And I'm I'm very intrigued to see the Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Karis Levert trio because I know that when you take out Kyrie and put in D'Angelo Russell, that was a trio that never got traction in Brooklyn. But also, as you already noted, Kyrie doesn't have the size of D'Angelo Russell, but he can be more aggressive and just a better defender overall and perhaps just that little uptick. And then, of course, the improvement because Kyrie is the better player on offense as well that that ensures those three can keep it afloat together because I love lineups that can kind of have a, a combination of ball handling and shooting and all of those guys, they might be most comfortable with the ball in their hands, but all of them can play off it as well. And so I, I really hope that Kenny Atkinson leans into giving those three minutes together. I think he will. And I think one thing, one area that uh, Kyrie is going to be able to really impact the game that D'Angelo wasn't. And uh, obviously D'Angelo, uh, uh, Say what you want about him. He, he he competed and and he raised his game, or at least tried to raise his game when 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 like in in late games in crunch time situations. But one thing he just could never do was was get to the basket. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy who just like struggled getting around defenders. That's why he never got to the free throw line because he couldn't get to the line because he couldn't get to the rim. When you got Kyrie, guys are are, are shaking in their sneakers because they have to check one of the they have to check the NBA's ankle bully. And uh, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to just by virtue of help coming over when he shakes one guy guys are going to be open and once one guy comes and once one guy helps off of another Kyrie's going to make the pass to the open man and that's just that's going to have opposing defenses all out of sorts it's going to be a lot of fun and then once you put other guys who could put the ball on the floor on the court with them or shoot threes and then you got Jared Allen under the rim it's going to be fun I, I think they're going to figure it out I think that maybe I'm, I'm making too much big of a deal out of the, out of them not having a, a, a steady answer at the four but um I think they're going to figure it out. I think it'll be fun. Where do you think, uh, and again, for, for what place in the East do you think they'll finish next season? Um, I think they're going to be better than Boston. Um, I think we, we know one, two, three is going to be uh, uh, some, it's going to be some variation of Philly, Milwaukee at one and two. And I think Indiana is going to be a lock for that three seed. Oh, wow. Uh, I think, I think the Nets are going to be fourth. I think you can put the Nets fourth uh, somewhere between four. 43 and 46 wins. I think Indiana is just such a well-oiled machine on both ends of the floor. Yes, they lost, uh, uh, not Brogdon, they lost Bogdanovich, but you bring in Brogdon now, and Brogdon is solid as they get. Um, and then you got Oladipo coming back at a certain point. Um, I think I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be good. Yeah, I, I believe they. St- I don't know if they still have Wesley Matthews or if he wants. No, Wesley Matthews went to the Bucks, did he? Yeah. There's so many moving parts this offseason. It's it's hard to keep up. It felt like um, two thirds of the league changed teams. You are correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. But um, I think the Nets finished fourth, um, which is good enough to to get them into the second round of the playoffs. But then just that. Well, you never know if they can if they get a bad matchup at, at four five. Or if KD comes um, back, I which I, I pray to God they don't bring him back. I don't want to. I don't. That's the one thing I. I don't want, yeah, no, don't rush that. We saw what happened with Boogie. Um, don't rush. I think he should sit this entire year out. Unless he's feeling really, really good to go come March, April, you know what I'm saying? In which case, all right, well, let's, let's, let's put you on the floor for 10 minutes and see how that goes. You know, let's, 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 let's walk you back. Maybe we'll send you to the G League and see how that goes. So, well, no, then I can send him to the G League, obviously. But, he um, totally should I, go. I, I, I want to see a star like, embrace that type of rehab assignment. Just go tear it up in the G League for like a week or something. <laughs> the, my, my fear with that would be someone in the G League is trying to make a name for themselves and competing like, oh, yeah, there like you go. a madman. And then, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But, you know, 
Yeah, I think 40, I think they, they, they surpassed their win total from last year, obviously, and they move up to the top four in the East. I think they, they're the fourth seed. I think they beat Boston in a playoff series, move on to the second round for a, a date with Philly again, and that's where they lose. Bold, bold or boldish prediction for this team next season, or this season, I guess we can say now. Um, hmm. <sighs> bold-ish prediction for this team. Um, I don't think we see anybody get traded this year. Um, I can do we that. see anybody get traded? I don't think we see anybody get traded this year. Um, I'm not sure what they do about Wilson Chandler, and that's a problem because he's a guy that you're expecting to play about 15 minutes a night and, and provide I did some spark on offense, and he's he's an underrated defender as well. Um, and not having him is going to be an issue. If you're missing him for thirty some odd games, then what? It's like, all right, um, we need a replacement, but we don't have any roster space. So for us to clear to create some space, we either have to waive you or bring up one of our two way guys. One of them is Henry Ellenson. Maybe we see a maybe we see a Henry Ellenson appearance. Why not? Right? Maybe they bring Henry Ellenson up. He can space the floor. He had a great stretch in New York last year at the end of the year. So maybe we see him on the floor. Um, bold prediction for the Nets is they, I don't think they're going to win 50 games. Um, I think they're going to be a better team than last year. I'm trying to think, uh, do they get two players in the all-star game? No, it's only going to be Kyrie. I don't think Harris becomes an all-star this year. This is, this is how my mind works. I'm literally trying to sort through every possible bold prediction that, that I can answer you with, but uh, I don't. I don't think we see. I don't think we see a bold Brooklyn team this year. Maybe that's my bold prediction. I don't think that they become like a. a I think they become obviously going to be fun because last year's team was fun and you're better than them. But I don't think they're going to be a team that like scares people yet. You know, you need Kevin Durant on that team to scare somebody. Uh-huh. And then on top of that, you still need a third player. So I think they're going to be good, but I think people who are who are like puffing their chest about oh this Nets team is, is is going all the way, I don't see that. I don't think even if you bring Kevin Durant back and you leave this team as currently constructed, I don't think they beat a Milwaukee or B Philly in a in a seven game series. I think it's tough for them because you, and, and maybe 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 I'm I'm doing a lot because you bring in DeAndre Jordan, who's going to be a guy who has to match up against Joel Embiid, and maybe that's why they go get him. Maybe they got DeAndre Jordan as a, as a primary. The guy was going to be able to, to give Joel Embiid some to match his physicality at least a little bit, but Philly still has Al Horford. Then you got Ben Simmons. Then you got Tobias Harris, and you got Josh Richardson. They got some some shooters and some guys off the bench that are coming in to kill. And in Milwaukee, you got Eric Bledsoe is going to give Kyrie some problems. You got Giannis, obviously. You got Brook Lopez who's bringing whatever sensor is protecting the rim out to the three point line. Um, and it's going to be tough. And um, I think the Nets still need another piece. To complete that, and that's why I think the, uh, the the prospect of them putting some guys together and going to get a third star is 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 uh, maybe it's not likely, but it, it'll be necessary if Brooklyn wants to make that championship run. And hey, if you're wrong about your boldish prediction, it's Kyrie Irving's going to end up being in the MVP race if the Nets are that <laughs> exciting. So so yeah, there's yeah. there's Nets fans solace. That is true. This is Dan Favalli. Thank you for purchasing Hardwood Knox book on tape. You may flip this over to side two for the second part of our Atlantic Division preview tomorrow when it drops. We'll once again be talking to SB Nation's Christian Winfield. Until then, I leave everybody with a shout out to Kyle Anderson.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.